Hey, Jamie, I've got a question for you. What do you want, Tom? Who's on the podcast this coming Friday? Oh, is it someone big? Boy. Is uh, it a big one? Shall I bother listening this week? Yeah. If I was going to say uh, take. And I would say off no, your trousers. No, no. Take. Me out. No, take. Paddy McGuinness. No, take. Take on me. Take that. Wow. Have a little patience. But hang on, presumably you've only, you haven't got all three of them, have you? Presumably you've just got one of them. Buddy, we have all three of them on the podcast. They've released a new album. It's coming out. They're going on tour. They talk about the ups, the downs, the lefts, the rights, on everything that happened in Take the That. The ins, the outs. And they reveal it all this Friday. Exclusively. On Private Parts. That's a big one. I'm going to listen to that. 
online following. Um, your handle is scarred, not scared. Um, I just remembered uh, I should always introduce people's <laughs> social media handles, which I don't always do. Uh, but, you know, I'm a work in progress. It's fine, people shout that at me on the I'm street. I'm a work so. in progress. No, I know, but in the previous interviews, I realised I don't, like, put, I, anyway. No, but people tend to know my username and don't tend to know my name. Oh, they just so, shout, God, yeah, I'm scared at you. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. It's um, my new name. <laughs> you have your own podcast called Let Me Talk. Yeah. Uh, and your author, your oh, Amazon number one bestseller. Uh, in my category, <laughs> to be oh, clear. Which is? Uh, Self-help and... Mem- I think it's like... Autobi- mm, I think that's pretty much the biggest category for... Or it's like or eat, eating disorders. There are so, so there. I mean, listen, it says it here. Amazon number one bestseller. I appreciate your modesty, but we're just going to go with that. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, you have the social media campaign, Scarred Not Scared, um, which already is an incredibly... And then it just hits me straight away. You know what I mean? I think you didn't put any punches no. on the uh, <laughs> on the title, and uh, you're vocal on diversity w- in regards to brands, fashion, and yeah. you speak out and represent. Yeah, I've been speaking out quite a lot about lack of Asian representation in terms of fashion and plus size markets at the moment because right. people seem to think plus size Asians don't exist. <laughs> What brought you into um, being? What doing brought you into the world this. of what? Well, huh? <laughs> what doing all of this? Yeah. Well, but what? what yeah. You know, what drew you to to to? And I mean, the Be Real campaign eventually, but your own campaign. Um, what? What? Yeah. Like, it's an incredible. It's an incredible place to be in. Um, wanting to spread your knowledge and encourage others to feel good. Yeah. Like what? What is? So it started with uh, the fact that I've had fifteen surgeries. So hence the name "Scar Not Scared." I have a lot of surgery scars from um, fifteen surgeries from a brain tumor, a puncture intestine, an obstructed bowel, a cyst in my brain, and I live with a condition called hydrocephalus. Right. So I had these surgery scars, and much like what you were saying about staying silent around body image issues, I think that's like what we all do because you're taught like if you're embarrassed about something why would you talk about it so Mm. I just stayed silent around um my surgery scars and because they're covered when I'm fully dressed I didn't need to talk about them and so I just pretended like they didn't exist and had the illusion that if I didn't talk about them they didn't affect my life until I want to start dating being really honest um and then had to it's often where a lot of where a lot of us have to meet because also then you're like well, I have to have this conversation that I've never had with any of my friends, but now I'm supposedly meant to have it a with a guy context. who I care. Like, I've never cared about someone's opinion more than I've cared about this guy's. Yeah. But I've never even had this conversation, not just about the scars, but about the surgeries. Um, and so I started Googling for it, and it was actually the absence of articles that would come up, and I was like, I can't be the only one with surgery scars. But No. Um, There was no conversation about it online. And um, then it just became more and more ironic as I got older because I got trained as a life coach um, and then chose to specialize in body confidence and work with body confidence clients. Um, And this body positivity movement was growing and growing, talking about everybody is beautiful. But no matter where I looked, whether it's social media or literally Google, there was still no body that looked like mine and scars was not part of the conversation, um, which is why I launched Scar Not Scared was because I was like, this movement can't keep growing without this massive area and intersection around scars, surgery, illness, disability that isn't existing. So I start started talking about that and how um, I was body shamed at like 
10 years old around wearing a bikini for the first time. And So how old were you when you had these surgeries, sorry? So I started having them when I was one years old. So, one. Uh, so, is, so what, what are the reasons for... Is it can, it's something you were born, things you were born with? Just or bad just, luck, no <laughs> to way. be honest. Like, I think because you hear the list and you're a bit like, they must all be connected somehow, but they're not really. What do you mean? What, so there were actually events? It wasn't, it's not like there were events that caused you to have the surgeries? Uh, no, so like the brain tumour was random. The oh. puncture intestine was an accident from one of my other surgeries. The obstructed bowels oh my God, right. uh, does happen when you've had previous abdominal surgery. So it's like a domino thing. Yeah, a cyst in my brain happened to be born with it. Brain tumour, same, I happened to be born with it. Uh, oh, <laughs> condition tough. called hydrocephalus was kind of a misdiagnosis, but also... Uh, where the treatment for it is to implant a plastic tube in your body and also a metal plate in your brain. Um, but they'd already done that once I'd already... When they thought they'd misdiagnosed me, at which point my body had already got used to it. So I have all those things. Oh, mate. You're a legend. <laughs> well, I have a I unique mean, story. Yeah, yes. but you're fucking, you just start out here just like having... At, from the age of one. Yeah. And you're just out here just like... Being a life coach, yeah, you're, you're a legend. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think I was coaching quite a one yet. No, but I mean, that's, I mean, yo, well, big up, like, thank that's, you. That's, that's a quite an ordeal to have to experience at a young age. That's a lot of. Um, you grow up a lot quicker, yeah. Well, you have to. Yeah, no choice. So, and, and it must have shaped your your relationship with trauma and and. A hundred percent, and I think um, it sounds ridiculous when I say this because I'm only twenty five years old. I'm not old, but medicine has progressed quite a lot in 25 years and mental health has progressed a lot in terms of the fact that I was in hospital when I was 11 years old and I was sent a psychologist once and it was only after my fifth, no, my 13th surgery, I got sent a psychologist. They didn't think you were going to be affected by that? No, I like I went into hospital when I was seven, I went into hospital when I was one, when I was two, no one like thought that it was just like, let's get it done. And I mean, same with rehabilitation, no one thought to actually properly rehab like learn how to walk properly again. They just gave me the IV drip and was like, go for a walk. Go for a walk. <laughs> um, Do you agree with that? No. And so what ended up happening was uh, when I was 21, I got PTSD. And I truly believe that only happened because n- I didn't get a chance to feel angry and sad. And It's trapped in you. Yeah, 100%. And so it was like, uh, like, when I got PTSD, when I got diagnosed, it was literally just like crying every day for three months. It was almost like every emotion triggers, I bottled like... up and I was triggered and I was triggered in the middle of a psychology because I did a degree in psychology to become a, what I wanted to be was a psychologist originally. Um, but it was sitting in the middle of a lecture. They're talking about the effect on physical health on mental health. And, and just... Well, no, they said the sentence. Um, and what you'll always find is that cl- like patients will always go... Uh, why me? And they said this words, why me? And I used to say that in hospital and it was just like... Oh, even hearing that makes me... Yeah, it was like the it was like a Rolodex of like every single memory I'd repressed just, and like just flashed before my eyes. And I'm like, the worst part was I was trapped in the middle of a bench and couldn't get out. So I was sat there like tears crying. like going down my face and the lecturer could see me, but my friends were next to me and I didn't want to like turned so that they could see I was crying so the lecturer just like was staring at me and I'm like this is so oh, ironic so your hair was like blocking you on either yeah. side but it was the only person you could see it was yeah, the lecturer, it was the lecturer. Did they understand yeah and also they had prefaced the whole uh, lecture series with this is a really difficult sensitive topic yeah. and if you feel like you need to leave leave at any point that sounds great 
But logistically, when you've got your friends sitting either side of you, and I just remember my friend sent me a text off that lecture being like, where'd you disappear to? Like, I was trying to find you after. I was like, yeah, I might have like literally whisked myself out of that lecture hall as that quickly was, as I could. And that continued on. And then I started like started crying in that lecture and did not stop for three months. I genuinely thought my eyeballs were going to break at some point and that you could like die of dehydration by crying because I just... I would wake up, cry till I like went to sleep. And um, it was only when like I started getting ha- flashbacks, hallucinations. And it was only when I started getting auditory hallucinations, which actually wasn't an auditory hallucination. It was one of my friends. Sorry, you mean like voices? Well, so <laughs> this is a ridiculous story, but it's true. And it's in my book. But um, basically, my friend had knocked on my door, but I hadn't heard the knock. So he was standing outside my door going, Michelle, Michelle. And because I'd been having visual yeah, hallucinations yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it. that was a voice so I started freaking out even more at which point obviously then I discovered it was actually a real person opened the door um, and just like started yelling at him being like you don't turn up to someone's house without knocking and he was like whoa this is not you and like in my friendship group I was known as a girl who's always like smiling and laughing and I laugh a lot and I smile a lot and um This guy in particular had said to me, literally like two weeks before this crying had happened, you laugh more in a day than I laugh in a month. And that's all I had in my head whilst I was crying. You felt like guilty or something. Yeah, that I should go back to that person. Oh, God, no, I've had that. It's the worst. And also that you're not, like, no one wants that friend. Like, they were my friend because I used to laugh so much. I get that. Yeah. So I thought that was a male thing. No, that's I think, just a human thing. I think it's a human thing. Really? So yeah. you didn't have? I mean, what, what what were your friendship circle like at the time? Was it? The, well, so did you have like a core group that you felt totally I, comfortable with, or did you? Yeah, you my uni friendship group was the first time I felt like I belonged in a place and didn't have to fit first in. Time. Yeah, and I wow. think that's what. Um, I really needed to start... University was the first time I started talking about my surgeries and scars, and I think I needed that friendship group where I felt really safe in that group. But my role, I guess, in the group was... was the funny one? The funny one, the drunk one, the one who, like, got up on a table, started dancing on a night out. Like, that was my... And you were scared of losing that. Yeah, and I was the life... Like, I was always, like, put as the life of the party. Michelle, like, if Michelle's on the night out, it's going to be a fun night Did out. Did you ever kind of. s- say this? Have you ever said, had this conversation with I, I have, and they've all read my book since. And um, so what had happened oh, that so day good. was that um, I started yelling at him and then he was like, whoa, what's happening? So like we sat down and the two of us just like I told him everything that was happening. And he was the one who went, you need to go to therapy and you need help. And it's OK to ask for that. And he's like because I said to him in that moment when I was like yelling at him, um, you told me that like I laugh more than a day in a day yeah. than you laugh in a month and I don't want to lose that and he was like anyone who's friends with you just because of that you don't deserve like if they can't stick around whilst you're crying then they're not in a, f- a friend in the first place and that w- that sentence was like the permission I needed to just like reach out but like thank god I had good friends because what would have happened sure I don't fucking handle this <laughs> it's you're emotional so, it's too <laughs> real <laughs> it's so real yeah Wow, yeah. What were your experiences then? So oh, you God. said you were, like, confined. <laughs> no, this is not one way. Uh, okay. It's two way. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, well, actually, the, the thing that's hitting me with the friendship thing, that's not necessarily connected to body image. That was that was just me going through a really bad breakup. Yeah. And um, prior to that, I just, like, I don't know, I had this kind of uh, place with my mates as... 
I just rationalized everything. And I was like, you know, I was going to the gym a lot. My body was in great shape. I was like, um, I, I, you know, I was achieving a lot, I suppose, in, in, a, in an objective sense. Yeah. You know, I was kind of like getting Perceived jobs. Perceived success, and, that's what yeah, I call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I was like <laughs> earning money and like things were coming in. And um, I was kind of like free in terms of my, uh, in terms of love. I was, you know, I was very much like, um, I suppose I was I was I was growing into my uh, to what I considered to be attractive. I thought I had quite yeah. a high, good opinion of how I, f- I was confident. I'd yeah. say I'd say faux confidence, but I have confidence all the same. Um, and yeah, and I met this girl. I mean, that's a, it's literally a whole other podcast. But I totally fucked up, and I I, um, I hurt her a lot, and in doing so, I hurt myself. And yeah, went into this breakup and it just like when I say I broke it was like you know this is why I've kind of gone into the world of masculinity as well yeah. or talking about it conceptually but I just I broke man and and suddenly these you know these boys around me who had seen me as like the guy who they'd go to if they broke yeah. up with a girl you know or like they'd say something to me and I'd be like no this boom boom you know very like yeah. assertive and suddenly I'm just like a baby. Like I, like I was struggling to not drown. But you know? I think also it comes, the masculinity thing comes in because if you look at the media and how media presents breakups, the woman's allowed to go cry and eat yeah, Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. The man goes out and sleeps with a ton of women. Right, so I was I was stopping. So I also made the conscious choice in this breakup to not yeah. go to my previous vices, which yeah. would have been drugs and, yeah. yeah, I suppose, like, some kind of, like, release sexually. But... Yeah, and I, and I ended up with like a, a real fear afterwards that yeah. I had ruptured all of those close relationships because who wants to hang out with that guy? Yeah, you know, which is sad. But um, so that's why what you're saying resonated with me so much because I'm only now a year and a half later from from finding a harmony within myself, yeah. more open to people's ups and downs, and also you have to be open. You know, you what does someone say to me? Be the friend that you want. Yeah. You know? um, but it's true because also now that you've had some time from it and since I like my that PTSD thing was what five years ago really you do realize that the people you lost in that process like were the people who only wanted the fun Michelle but didn't right. want the nuanced like complex human loss. yeah yeah and it's also sometimes confronting for those people yeah um and it always man I've got like a, I've got a few mates who I remember I've gone through so many phases growing up where I've just, I've like, in my head, I've tried to rationalise, like, disowning them almost. Because I'm just like, because I've known them for so long. And then, literally, arrogance, you know, of just like, oh, no, I need to, I didn't go to uni, so I didn't get, like, a new batch. Every single time I go through, like, some kind of trauma, some kind of, they're always there. And they're always, like, and in the same teenage, (laughs) like, where have you been? You know what I mean? Like, where have you been? Oh, you know what I mean? Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. And I love that. Come in love with a singer. Yeah, but I wanna get richer. Life threw me a bag of lemons. No wonder my bit. Yeah, in terms of body image, the reason I feel passionately about it is because I was I was what I went through this I went through this tough phase um where I had like I'd say three months, four months of 
quite severe body dysmorphia, but I never really spoke about it for a few reasons. One, because I do think in terms of male body image, yeah. we're only just starting to really open up that conversation. Um, and there's also starting to be some really negative uh, I saw some adverts the other day, you know, for like men putting six packs on their body and stuff yeah. online. It's awful. So you'd never see that before. In fact, the hypocrisy used to be that men could be look like anything, yeah. and women had the pressure, you know. Um, but I was I was actually coming out of like I'd say I don't want to say like it was I say addiction, but it wasn't like a disease yeah. addiction thing. It was like a self. It was I was just abusing myself yeah. for, for a long time, and I was like, right, I'm done. Health is how I'm going to get out of it. So. I put myself on these meals, right? You know, yeah. it's like, and I go to the gym like four times a week. I lose the weight like that. I start gaining muscle. I'm cycling like 30, 40 miles a week. Yeah. And um, playing football twice a week. I'm just like constantly active. Yeah. And I'm eating four meals a day, you know? Yeah. Sometimes a bit on top, but it didn't matter because I'm training. Yeah. In the gym, everyone's like, oh, Jordan's like, you know, I was building muscle so fast. Yeah. So the guys who loved the gym, they were going, oh my God, like, you know, this is, a, this is amazing. It was yeah. like a three month change in me from going from a bit like beery and like what one of my friends called doughy. Yeah. <laughs> to like this kind of like fit, I mean, on society, by societal standards or, or, or by even just by like boring mathematical, yeah. you know, muscle to fat ratio, I was, I was seemingly in shape. Yeah. And then in one week, I tore, ripped, I tore ten, a ligament in my ankle and I, I, I displaced a tendon in my arm and couldn't work out, couldn't play football, couldn't cycle. But I had this, I'd stretched my stomach. Yeah. Um, so I was eating four meals a day and I was always hungry, you know, I was always hungry. Yeah. Um, and I ate and ate. And I, you know what? I didn't really put on any weight, but I developed this almost, um, that's like, I want to say a psychosis. Yeah. There wasn't a second in the day. Where you didn't think about food. Where I didn't think about my weight. Uh, uh, the food was an, it was an irritant. Yeah. You know? The food was like, oh, God, I've got to eat because otherwise I'm just going to be in pain. Yeah. But it was like, I would constantly clutch my stomach. I'd constantly clutch my chest, my arms. I'd just be checking my body, you know? And I think a lot of guys in the gym deal with this, actually. Yeah. And... I now I realise in hindsight the people around me found it so stressful because they just wanted me to stop yeah. doing it. And still now, it's like three years later, whenever I get when I get whenever I get triggered on anything. Yeah. So it's like if I so if 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 I feel so say for example when I make music in the studio, I get so insecure. Like it's yeah. that's like my most vulnerable. So I come out and I'm like, oh my God, I can't sing, I can't rap, I can't do anything. Yeah. And then I, the tw- it comes again. Yeah. I start grabbing my stomach, and it's, it's like, like your go-to mechanism. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's like almost a, a, a habit now. Yeah. Well, I think it happens because, like, well, first of all, there's so much silence around male body image, but also because it is wrapped up in masculinity. So if you talk about it, you are less of a man. If you talk about it, yeah. But also, I think in terms of um, everything you're talking about, in terms of the gym whether it, you're a man or a woman, I think the problem is that it's yeah, so... Yeah, women so, get it yeah. too, big time. But the problem is because it's so society approved right. that you're almost encouraged because how many compliments were you getting on For a being daily... obsessed yeah. with... Oh, my God, And, yeah. like, it doesn't matter what your mentality was, doesn't matter how healthy you are in the brain, it mattered what you looked what like you look physically. Like. And the thing is we do this thing in society where we claim it's about health, but actually it's very much about an aesthetic look and that if you have to compromise your health whether it's your mental health or your actual physical health by starving or um, for you if you had hurt your arm and carried on working working out through that they don't care 
Like, it's not about the fact that, like, oh, no, you should rest your arm because that's healthy for you. It's about, no, you have to maintain the aesthetic. Um, And we just need to get rid of this idea that health is an appearance because it's not. You can't tell someone is healthy. Is that one of your taglines? Yeah. I love it. No, I love it. I love (laughs) that. Nothing's that that natural. (laughs) Like, I do the same conversation. No, but that's dope. That's that's dope. Like, health is, what is it? Health Health is not an appearance. Yeah, and it's not. No, and also because um, I think, for me, that like the fact that I'm both fat and also, and I use the fat as a descriptor and not as an insult because it's the same as the word tall in my mind. Um, oh. But the fact that I have had illnesses and then I'm also fat, there are so many people online who are like, but are you healthy? And I'm like, I've literally introduced myself saying I've had 15 surgeries. Yeah. But I know when you ask that question, what you're actually implying is my weight. Yeah. And I'm like, it's just you're so You're not even asking you up. if you're feeling all yeah. right as a result of like yeah. overcoming a tumour. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, what exactly is healthy? Yeah, really and what's the definition? And like everyone online, like the trolls, and I get, I'm sure you get it as well, but everyone would assume that my surgeries are due to my weight, but my weight, they've never once thought about Asked. the fact my weight could be a consequence of my surgeries exactly and I the saddest thing is I've done I do a lot of public speaking and I went to teenage cancer trust and I was talking to them um and I was doing it with under 18 year olds and like kids like teenagers with cancer all the questions were I don't want to take my steroids because they're going to make me gain weight I don't like I don't want to go back to school because half my head is shaved I don't like all All the things I worried about because despite having enough hair I I'm half bald behind my head like and it was things like that and I was like this is the damage and this is the extreme end but this is also what's actually existing in society of what we're doing every time we have to justify someone's health in order for them to deserve respect like basic respect in society and every time you're fat shaming someone and saying well you should go die in a hole or all these things that people say or like you're killing yourself you have no clue what's going on with someone's health and like what if they're actually going through cancer right now do you really think their weight should be a priority because their body's trying to sort out quite a lot of problems in their body and if the weight gain is what the body needs in order to heal then that's the best thing for that body do you think is that is that is that is that does that happen? Well, yes, steroids and also because um, oh right, of course from the steroids from or... steroids, but also uh, for me with my illnesses, this weight gain never really happened in hospital because I got uh, so I didn't eat for like six weeks or three months. But if you do that, you go into your body goes into survival starvation mode. mode. Yeah, 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 exactly. I actually know that. And that, so and it, it's really difficult to come yeah. back off that as well. And you gain weight when you come back out. So what my main experience was was coming out of hospital and everyone going oh, you just went into hospital, don't you think you should take care of your health? And me going, this is me taking care of my health. This is me eating the exact same amount I was eating beforehand. The only difference is... Did anyone offer you guidance on what to eat? No, so this See, is... that's the annoying thing, isn't it? Yeah, and also no one offered me um, any sort of emotional support oh, around yeah. it. And But the labelling around foods, I think, becomes a problem because it gets equated to morality a lot. Yeah. So if you eat a if you eat good food, yeah, you're yeah, a good yeah. person. If you eat a bad food, you're a bad person. Actually, if we stopped making bad foods so demonised, they wouldn't be... So, like, your body naturally... I truly believe your body naturally craves um, good nutrition and yeah. all, like, something yeah, that right. fulfils every... Um, 
minimal and whatever. That's not my forte. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you no. Get, it, it every a, box. You, you, your body has a, gen, a genuine desire to gain a nutritional value. Yeah, exactly. But you're saying it becomes intertwined with a sense of maybe even wanting to rebel against an idea of authority. Yeah, and also the fact that if you... I, I, can't, I understand that. It's a psychological thing. When someone tells you, like, no, you can't eat the donut, like, suddenly you want it. You. Yeah, exactly. I suddenly want... I mean, maybe it's just because I'm a very stubborn person, but, like, I'm like, don't tell me what to eat. And on the topic of influencing, <laughs> which you are so doing so wonderfully, um, you, I mean, you've covered so many of these points about there being a link between mental health and body yeah. image. Uh, I think it's so, so poignant, you, the point about the context in which someone's eating something really yeah. needs to be highlighted. Um, are there any, like, body positive accounts that you follow? Um um, Ooh, my there... entire newsfeed is body positive. So I don't follow accounts that make me feel bad. Right. Um, and I will unfollow an account, not necessarily because it's their content, but you know there are certain body types that, for me, it's the fitness body. So I, I love the gym. I've always loved the gym. And when I was in my most negative headspace, um, the the people I would pin on a board and like right. put on the fridge like goals. as goals would be the fit like the fitness body um so was some, like rippling abs and yeah that. and mm. so like there are days when of course like you're just like oh well especially a few years ago where i'd be like oh i want to go back to that and like i used to have like a similar body to that but obviously with every surgery it kind of changes um so i had to go through a phase where i was like I just following them. They're a lovely person. I love their content, but just following them makes me feel bad about me. Um, And so I tell people, um, so one of my best friends is like thin, gorgeous, blonde, big boobs, big bum, like ideal, beauty ideal, basically. And I was doing a live the other day and someone came on and we were doing it together and said, oh, I feel really bad because I can't follow her. Like she makes me like she. Like, I love her content, but, like, her body makes me feel really bad, and Mm. I hate that. Like, is that a wrong thing to say? And she said herself, she was like, no, don't follow me if my body makes you feel bad. It doesn't matter what I'm saying. But just you don't need it in your life. And, like, we're especially at the stage where you're looking at your social media more than you're talking to most of your friends. Um, Like, I spend more time on Instagram than texting my friends. Um, Make sure what you're seeing every day is content that's going to uplift you rather than make you feel bad for who you are or feel shame. Back in the day... Yeah. The idea that you look at any statue from like the kind of Greek Roman era, yeah, and they were all full-bodied <laughs> women, like, and yeah. that was seen as 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 goddess-like, yeah, you know, because well, it was seen as a sign of wealth, exactly, yeah. And think how inverted that is now, yeah, because now people would shame get personal trainers. Well, then, no, you'd shame you'd like because of the connection between, say, um, food that lacks nutrition, yeah, um, or just food with high sugar content um, and and things that everyone yeah. knows are bad for your body, especially the government. But we won't get into conspiracy yeah. about that. Oh no, Th- let's get those into are that. shifted more towards a particular <laughs> demographic that haven't got as much of an economic revenue. And this is the pop. Po- so now, but if you think I'm mad, that is you'd be super thin back in the day yeah. because you couldn't eat. Yeah. And now, what you can eat if you haven't got the, any money yeah. will only make you. So this is my issue with this whole like health conversation is like no one wants to address the socio-economic effect of it, and I will. also yeah. yeah, and 
I mean, you said you didn't want to get into it, oh, no, so no, I'm going to get I into know, it. Right, because I thought it was a conspiracy, but when you put it like <laughs> no, that, it's just so no, straight up. No, it's not, because, like, for example... Yeah, let's get into it. I'm actually down for this. <laughs> well, corn syrup is subsidised by the government. They know it's bad for us, and it's subsidised. Why do you start subsidising fruit and vegetables? Because companies who use that product... Oh, like, mate. I personally believe the best relationship with health, uh, with hunger, is if you equate it to the same as thirst. You know when you sometimes get a, have a glass of water and you're still thirsty for another? You never sit there and go, but I just had one glass of water, why do I need another? Yeah. Like sometimes you want, like you've just eaten lunch and you're still hungry, you should eat again. Your, your body is so much more intelligent than any app, any calorie tracker. Um, and if, especially when it comes to women and like hormonal changes and periods and all of that, you can be really hungry after you've just had lunch yeah. and you should listen to your body. The more you listen to your body... Wait the- for it to digest, though. Because yeah. I, I often go in for like... Yeah. <laughs> you know them ones where yeah. you go, you're so, your eyes What's are bigger than your stomach. like 15 minutes. Yeah, it's like it 12 minutes and then minutes. just like... And then I'm like, oh, right. But it's this thing But of, I know what you mean, of course. But it's this thing of like, we're teaching people that like... So this 2,000 calorie thing, you know how the calorie, you know how it's meant to be 2,500 calories for a man and 2,000 mm, for a woman? I didn't. I did, um, I did, I did. I did I so know. that was calculated, first of all, for insurance purposes at first. Great. And it was calculated using white men. Brilliant. Um, and then they just lowered it for women. They never used women to calculate it. They Brilliant. never used black men, Chinese men, any other race. Yeah. They literally just took a small segment of All those white statistics men. are like that though, aren't they? Yeah, but You can't then, trust any of it. Then if you think about it, like the average average person on the street like knows their calorie consumption but I'm like but you don't know where that statistic comes from but oh. it also um, wraps it goes back to what you were saying in the beginning where you were saying that when you were going to, through a body dysmorphic phase yeah. is that how you phrase it um, you became all your thoughts were about your weight Only the that. more you think about food the more you think about your body the less you actually live your life. Yeah. And people think that being body positive means that you um, walk past the mirror and go, oh my God, I yeah. bloody <laughs> love myself. Like, it's not. It's the fact that, for example, this morning, I left the house without any makeup, not really caring what right I looked now. like. I was able to record and like go to me- I have meetings all day. I don't really care what I look like because I'm there to do my job. You I can do my great. job. Thanks. <laughs> but I can do my job just as good as I did two days ago when I was on a photo of shoot. Of course. Um, and I'm body positive because I know that's not going to impact my performance. Um, but... People think it's the other way around. People think the more body positive you get, the more you think about your body. It's actually the less you think about your body. Like, I don't obsess when I walk past the mirror anymore. I love that. <laughs> Very inspiring. Thanks. Um, so, what I mean, what would you recommend to, to, to people to improve their own body image slash yeah. their own concept of body image? Okay, so I think you should diversify your news feeds as the like first place to start. Like, make sure you have different body types on your news feed. Um, be aware of the things that are naturally on social media, but also media where digi- uh, editing. Facetune, all of these things. Realize what you're seeing is not a re- realistic representation of a real body, um, and that. Also, start addressing your own relationship with your body by building this very basic, you don't have to go for love, but just basic respect, appreciation um, for your body existing and doing its job. You don't have to think you're beautiful. Your beauty really doesn't matter as much as society likes to make you think it does. Um, But 
your body is there for a purpose, it's doing its job. And just starting from a basic level of respect and appreciation is how I built my confidence. Um, and knowing that I'm way more than my beauty, I'm way more than my appearance. Um, and I I don't need to, I happen to believe I'm beautiful, but I don't need to believe I'm beautiful in order to live a fulfilled and accomplished life. <laughs> That's great. Listen, Michelle, I would love to talk to you again. Thank you yeah. so much. You're very inspiring. Um, um, big up all the work you're doing with the Be Real campaign. And um, and yeah, there's there's a lot of free resources on the Be Real website and toolkit and to help you get started on your body confidence journey. Wicked. Lots of love. Amazing. Thanks. Find out more about YMCA and the Be Real campaign at berealcampaign.co.uk. That's berealcampaign.co.uk. On the website, you'll find loads of amazing information and resources. And make sure you join the campaign this Mental Health Awareness Week in the fight against unrealistic beauty standards by signing up to its Body Image Pledge. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.